This podcast has been brought to you by New Creations Life Center in Redmond, Oregon. Look us up on the web at newclc.com. That's N-E-W-C-L-C.com. guys are quiet. Come on. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God, God wants you to succeed. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to experience his success. But I want you to know there has to be daily stuff that you do. Show me your habits. I'll show you your future. Amen. Your habits. You cannot have a greater life without greater habits. It's impossible. Amen. Woo. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. And then last week we went over, you got to be willing to run. Last week was powerful. Amen. You got to be willing to run. You got to be willing to not just do something, but run after. You got to throw your whole self into it. If you're going to be good at anything, I don't care what it is, you're going to throw your whole self into it. Amen. Today I want to talk about the next, number six, of being somebody who's going to have success in your life. And that is to be courageous. To be courageous. Amen. Now I want you to turn in your Bible because I'm going to read you, I'm just going to read you two whole chapters, or almost two whole chapters of 1 Samuel. We'll start in 1 Samuel chapter 13. And this is a story about uh, when Saul first becomes king and Jonathan and the issue that they had with the Philistines. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 13. Um, I'm going to be reading in the New Living Translation today. Amen. So verse 1 of uh, 1 Samuel 13 says Saul was 30 years old when he became king and he reigned for 42 years. Saul selected 3,000 special troops from the army of Israel and sent the rest of the men home. He took 2,000 of the chosen men with him to Michmash and the hill country of Bethlehem. The other thousand went with Saul's son, Jonathan, to Gibeah in the land of Benjamin. Remember, Jonathan is the one who hooked up with David, and they were, uh, you know, friends sent from heaven. It was a God connection between David and Jonathan. Amen. Soon after this, Jonathan attacked and defeated the garrison of the Philistines at Geba. We were starting to see the character of this guy. Now I want you to know this is really uh, uh, crazy. You're going to start to experience who this man Jonathan was because as we're going to find out that there were no swords or spears in all of Israel except Jonathan and his father Saul. And the reason why is they were being controlled by the Philistines who had a very serious and powerful army who were fully equipped with swords and spears and chariots and all the, you know, stuff of war. And in, in, but in Israel, amongst the people of God, there was only David or only Jonathan and his dad who had a sword. So we see uh, Jonathan out with a, a, a thousand men who are basically, you know, got sticks and clubs and whatever, and they go to a, a Philistine uh, army outpost and destroy them. 
I don't know, you might, you know, think, I mean, they're, they're subservient to them, you know what I mean? They're the ones that are calling, and the reason why they didn't have a, a sword or spear is because uh, the, the king of, uh, of the, the Philistines didn't allow them to have blacksmiths. They could only get like an axe sharpened or whatever, and it was really expensive for them to get anything, but they couldn't have any swords because they, they were afraid that they would revolt. Okay, so that, that's why they didn't have it. So, so Jonathan attacks, and it says the news in verse 3 spread quickly among the Philistines. So Saul blew the ram's horn throughout the land, saying, Hebrews, hear this, rise up in revolt. God is wanting to free the Israelites at this time. It says, all Israel heard the news that Saul had destroyed the Philistine garrison at Gibeah. At Gibeah. Actually, it was his son. And that the Philistines now hated the Israelites more than ever. So the entire Israelite army was summoned to join Saul at Gilgal. The Philistines mustered a mighty army of 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and as many warriors as the grains of sand on the seashore. They camped at Michmash. I lost my place here. Five. So uh, they camped at Michmash east of Beth Aven. Beth-Avon. The men of Israel saw what a tight spot they were in, and because they were hard-pressed by the enemy, they tried to hide in caves, thickets, rocks, holes, and cisterns. Somebody say fear. fear. Come in, fear doesn't work with God. God doesn't work in fear. He works in faith. Amen. Some of them even crossed the Jordan River and escaped into the land of Gad and Gilead. Meanwhile, Saul stayed at Gilgal, and his men were trembling with fear. Saul waited there seven days for Samuel, as Samuel had instructed him earlier. But Samuel didn't come. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away. So he demanded, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. Just as Saul was finishing the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Saul went out to meet and welcome him. But Samuel said, what have you done? Saul replied, you said, uh, Saul replied, I saw my men scattering from me and you didn't arrive when you said you would come. And the Philistines are at Michmash ready for battle. So I said, the, Philistine arms, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal, and I haven't even asked for the Lord's help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God, the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. Speaking of David, the Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Now, I want you to know this. This is a really important lesson in this story. God will test you 
even with the man of God who isn't following through with what he said he would do to test your heart. He'll find out whether you're going to really obey or you're going to take life in his own hands. Now, Saul was a king. He wasn't a priest. He was not authorized to, to, to do a, a burnt sacrifice and a peace offering to God. He wasn't authorized. That was the duty of the priest. Amen. And so because of fear, somebody say because of fear, Saul decided to take matters into his own hands. Can I tell you something? One of the most dangerous things you'll ever do is decide because of fear that you're going to step out of what God said for you to do. You're going to step out of the protocol that God gave you. And you're just going to do whatever you want and do it your own way because that's what you want to do because you're afraid. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. And so... Um, God tested Saul, and Saul failed the test. He decided to go ahead and, and, and put things in his own hands. Instead of submitting to the will of God, instead of submitting to what God had told him through the prophet, he did it his own way. Amen? Verse 15, Samuel left Gilgal and went on his way, but the rest of the troops went with Saul to meet the army. They went up from Gilgal to, to Gibeah, Gibeah in the land of Benjamin. When Saul counted the men who were still with him, he found only 600 were left. Okay, so, so we see now that they're in a very serious situation because the, the army that uh, Saul had mustered was 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and as many warriors as the grains on the sand, on the seashore, as the grains of sand on the seashore. That's how many he had mustered. And so we have, a, we have an unknown, an untold, huge army coming against 600 guys. Think about it. So Saul and Jonathan and the troops with them were staying at, Gibe, at Geba in the land of Benjamin. The Philistines set up their camp at Michmash. Three raiding parties soon left the camp of the Philistines. One went north toward uh, Ophrah and the other in the land of Shual. Another west went west to Beth Horon and the third moved toward the border above the valley of Zeboim near the wilderness. There were no blacksmiths in the land of Israel in those days. The Philistines wouldn't allow them for fear that they would make swords and spears for the Hebrews. So whenever the Israelites needed to sharpen their plowshares, uh, picks, axes, or sickles, they had to take them to a Philistine blacksmith. The charges were as follows. A quart of an ounce of silver for sharpening a plowshare or a pick, and an eighth of an ounce for sharpening an axe uh, a sickle or an ox goad. So on the day of the battle, none of the people of Israel had a sword or spear except for Saul and Jonathan. The pass at Michmash had meanwhile been secured by a contingent of the Philistine army. So in other words, now they're getting hemmed in by a very massive and powerful enemy and they got one sword, two swords, one of the king had and one Jonathan had. Amen. Chapter 14, verse 1. 
One day Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come on, let's go over to where the Philistines have, have their outposts. But Jonathan did not tell his father what he was doing. And we're seeing the spirit of this man. I want you to just think about it. Here is an army coming at the, 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 uh, the Israelites that's huge. They didn't even give the number. They just says it's like the sand on the seashore. There's so many. They're fully equipped armed warriors. And Jonathan says to his armor bearer, come on, let's you and me go over to where the Philistines have their, their outposts, where, 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 where their army, their closest army group is to us. Meanwhile, Saul and his 600 men were camped on the outskirts of Gibeah, around the uh, around the pomegranate tree at Migron. Among Saul's men was Ahijah the priest who was wearing the ephod, the, the priestly vest. Ahijah was the son of Ichabod's brother Ahitam, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord who served at Shiloh. No one realized that Jonathan had left the camp. <clears throat> To reach the Philistine outpost, Jonathan had to go down between two rocky cliffs that were called Bozes and Senna. It's interesting that he had to go down to even get to where they are. He had to go down in between two rocky cliffs. And it's interesting that the names of those mean shining and the other one means thorn. That's just kind of the basic meaning of those. In other words, and I feel like God will always put you in a place if you really want to follow him. That one, it seems like this could really work out well. It's a shining opportunity. Or the other one looks like this could cause me some real pain. It's going to be confusing because if you, if you, if you throw your whole self into it, you could lose big. How many know one of the ways that to be successful is to lose big? You got to be willing to lose big. Amen. You got to be willing to step out. So we have this guy, and just think of the mentality of this Jonathan guy. And I want you to know his mentality comes from what I started out this service with. His mentality come from the thought that he was loved and he was forgiven and he was free. He had a connection and a covenant with God Almighty. Like David when he fought Goliath. He wasn't coming at Goliath in his own strength. He was coming in the power of the Lord of the armies of Israel. Amen. The cliff on the north was in front of Michmash, and the one on the south was in front of Giva. Let's go across to the outpost of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. Let's go over to those guys who have no covenant with God. Come on, let you and me go. Woo! Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I wholly lean on Jesus' name. Listen, when you have God, you and God are a majority. 
When you have God on your side, you and God are a majority. Woo! His armor bearer said, do what you think is best. I'm with you completely, whatever you decide. I love what the NIV says, I'm with you heart and soul. Go ahead and do whatever's in your heart. If we go down, we're going down together. Let's do this thing. And I just, you know, you just think about it. It's a crazy, wild, off-the-chain proposal. You got a couple guys here who are radical God-believers. They, uh, Jonathan must have imparted and, and had a relationship with this young man, his armor bearer, whoever he was, and imparted the same spirit of faith he has. He must have been discipling him and giving him this thing that if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 8. All right then, Jonathan told him, we'll cross over and let them see us. If they say to us, stay where you are or we'll kill you, then we'll stop and not go up to them. But if they say, come on up and fight, then we will go up. That will be the sign, the Lord's sign, that he will help us defeat them. I want you to know his hope wasn't in himself. Jonathan's hope wasn't in his ability. And I don't know what you're facing and what's going on in your life. I don't know what you're, what you're having to go through, but if you try to trust in you, you're going to be like the 600 soldiers that are with Saul, hiding in caves, hiding from this world, hiding from everybody because you don't want to face anybody because you're afraid. But if you're like Saul, I mean, they, Jonathan, if you're like Jonathan and his armor bearer, your hope is not in yourself. He said, God is able to save God is able to defeat, whether with many or few. He doesn't need a whole bunch. He just needs a couple of people to believe him. A breakthrough can happen in a city with just one or two people who will believe God. God doesn't need a whole lot. He needs somebody who will really believe him. Hallelujah. Then in the, man, the men of the... Oh, when the Philistines saw them, verse 11, coming, they shouted, look... The Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. Then the men from the outpost shouted to Jonathan, come on up here and we'll teach you a lesson. Come on, climb right up behind me, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, for the Lord will help us defeat them. I want you to know God ain't doing it without you, but he will do it through you if you'll believe him. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is you're facing, whatever is the obstacle that seems impossible, if God be for me, who can be against me? Hallelujah. So they climbed up using both hands and feet. It must have been a very steep rock wall. And the Philistines fell before Jonathan and, and his armor bearer killed those who came behind them. They killed some 20 men in all and their bodies were scattered over about a half an acre somebody say suddenly yeah suddenly panic broke out in the in the philistine army both in the camp and in the field even including even the outposts and raiding parties and just then an earthquake struck and everyone was terrified 
Amen. I want you to know Jonathan stepped out and he was fighting for his life. He's got men coming at him in every direction and he's fighting and the guy behind him must have had a stick or clubs or I don't know what he had. But he was killing people who were coming from behind. And, and Jonathan was killing the, the people who were in front of him. And they killed 20. And when the 21st one was to come up, somebody say three times seven. God said, I'll, I'll get the 21st one. The 21st one going to be mine. And I'll, I'm going to step into this equation right here and right now. And all of a sudden, a panic came on the people. And the earth began to quake. Why? Because somebody believed God. I want you to know when you are someone who will believe God, God will send panic into those who are coming against you. Come on. Hallelujah. He will. He will. He'll show himself mighty on your behalf. Hallelujah. Saul's lookouts in Gibeah of Benjamin saw a strange sight. The vast army of the Philistines began to melt away in every direction. Think about this. Call the roll and find out who's missing, Saul ordered. And when they checked, they found out that Jonathan and his armor bearer were gone. Then Saul shouted to, Ab to Ahijah, bring the ephod here. For at that time, Ahijah was wearing the ephod in front of the Israelites. But while Saul was talking to the priest, the confusion in the Philistine camp grew louder and louder. So Saul said to the priest, never mind, let's get going. So Saul and all his men rushed out to the battle and found the Philistines killing each other. There was terrible confusion everywhere. Even the Hebrews who had previously gone over to the Philistine army revolted and joined in with Saul, Jonathan, and the rest of the Israelites. Likewise, the men of Israel who were hiding in the hill country of Ephraim joined in the chase, and they saw the Philistines running away. When they saw the Philistines running away. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle continued to rage even beyond Beth-Avon. Now I'm going to stop there. I'm not going to read the rest of it. But I want to talk to you today about marks of a courageous person. Marks of a courageous person. I'm just going to give you three today. Three marks of a, a courageous person. And these will need to be in your life because I want to tell you in this world, you're going to have troubles. You're going to face things. You're facing things now. There's things going on in your life. Maybe it's, maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's in your health. Maybe it's, it's in your finances. Maybe it's in your children. Maybe it's, you know, in, in, in your relationship, your marriage, or whatever it is. But everybody, Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. And if you're going through something and everybody feels like their tribulation is the worst, and nobody understands me. Nobody gets me. I wanted you to know everybody going through something. Everybody got something on their plate. Everybody got something who died or somebody who died in their life or some threatening financial or, 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 or sickness or disease or something has happened in their life that it is a threatening situation. And there's plenty of room to fear. Plenty of room to fear. There's lots of room to fear. Amen. Because fear is always saying, what if? But faith is always saying, God is. 
is. Amen. That's all. God is. When David was going, he said when he, in Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? God is. You're with me. That's it. You're with me. God, you're with me. That's all I need to know. You're with me. I don't need another plan. You don't even need to tell me how I'm going to make it or what's going to happen or how it's all going to unfold. All I need to know is you're with me. Amen. If God be for me, who can be against me? Hallelujah. Number one, marks of a courageous person is a courageous person will believe God more than the circumstances. A courageous person will believe God more than the circumstances. Our tendencies, we just want to look at the circumstances. Well, the circumstances say this. This is what's going on. And, you know, I only make this much money. The bills are this big. There's no way for us to make it. We're, you know, we're going to be out on our head on the street or, or whatever, you know, or whatever the situation is. We, we want to look at the circumstance in our natural flesh. But the person who, who is courageous is the person who's going to believe God. And I want to go back to this. There's only one way you're going to believe God. Is that, is that if you have received and settled in your heart that he really is the one who has your best in mind. Does God really have your best in mind? Does God really have your best in mind? You have to settle that. Does God really love you? When he went to the cross, were you and all your sin and all your failures and all your mistakes, were they included at the cross? Does God look at you going, ah, I'm having a hard time with you. You, you have done too many sins. Or is your sin covered under the blood? Does God really love you? I couldn't, count, I couldn't tell you how many times that I have wondered when, when I was a younger Christian if the sin that I just got done committed had just been the last straw. Anybody else felt like that? Come on, be honest with me. Raise your hand. You felt like that. That was, that was the last sin. You made too many mistakes and that's it. I want you to know, if you have any hunger for God at all, they, you didn't make no mistake that's beyond the blood of Jesus. Amen. And I'll tell you something that is so big. And when you finally begin to go into that world where you realize God is really, honestly, truly in love with you, I'm telling you something that begins to change the game. Because if you can actually believe God is for you, that God really likes you, then you can be in a place that you believe God for, for what's going on in your life. If you don't believe God for what's going on in your life, God can't move. God is moved by faith. Mountains are moved by faith. Sickness is destroyed by faith. Amen. Amen. Finances are obtained by faith. People conquer because of faith. If you read Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible said by faith is how they did it. When Jesus walked by the fig tree and he cursed it, and it was cursed and it withered from the roots up, not the top down. And they came by and, they, and the disciples go, what in the world? Look at that. It immediately started withering. And Jesus said, you know what? If you would believe, you could say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast in the sea. And if you would not doubt in your heart, you would have what you say. Therefore, when you stand praying, believe that you've received whatever you've asked for. Let me tell you something. This is what's really weird to me. In the Christian realm, we don't recognize the spiritual world. 
But what's really weird is those who are living in, in witchcraft and sorcery, they know for sure there's real power outside of the natural. They are making human sacrifices and drinking blood and opening the, the gateways uh, 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 of, their, of their body, the third eye. They're opening up the way to into the, the realm of darkness and they see real power. They do. It's real. I've seen it with my own physical eyes. It's not fake. It's real. And so when they begin to worship Satan, and that's why people uh, um, use drugs in the Bible. The Bible talks about using drugs. And he and always uses the word sorcery because drugs are infinitely tied with sorcery. They always use drugs because drugs open up their mind, open up the pineal gland for them to step into the world. And it's, and it's literally, it's, it's, it's a long history that goes way back and there's a tremendous amount of science and there's a lot of it that's been trying to be hidden but what it does is it opens up the world for satan in a sense to come up your back of your spine into the place where it can, begins to control you people who sit in the cobra position in yoga and and, and do the hmm, and they do the hum what it's doing is it's 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 beginning to activate the uh the chakra, the, the, the crystals that, that are part of your pineal gland, the part of you that is able to connect to God, the part of you that God gave that your mind, and sometimes you don't know, is that God or is that me? Why? Because it's coming through your mind. God speaks in a still small voice. Anybody who tells you that it's okay to smoke weed or, or do these drugs because it's no different than alcohol, I promise you that's not what the Bible says. When the Bible uses the word pharmakia twice in Revelation and twice in, and I believe it, Galatians or three times in Revelation. Anyway, it's talking about pharmakia, the pharmacological, and it calls it sorcery. The reason why is because it opens you up to the world where Satan can come in and begin to have rule inside of you. He can be, begin to wreak havoc in your life. Come on, somebody. And it's the truth. And so the devil is wanting people to somehow trust in something else to make their life okay. But when they trust in something else to make them okay, they open themselves up for the devil to come in and begin to bring rule in their life. One of these days, I'll do a study just on that for you. I'll, I will break it down to you to show you how that's why God never used, uh, uh, never said uh, about uh, alcohol. Alcohol doesn't do the same to that gland. It doesn't open you up. That's why the Bible calls drunkenness something very serious. Because drunkenness can take you into a place where it all also opens you up to demonic power. But one hit of weed, one hit of, 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 of uh, you know, LSD or... or, or uh, uh, um, meth or heroin they can they 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 begin to alter that place inside of you that connects to the spiritual world and so many that's how they begin to connect they they use it to connect and i want you to know that god is wanting you to connect to him yeah. 
And a lot of Christians are deceived because they don't know the Bible. They didn't study the words and they're going, well, it's just the same as any other drug. And, or, you know, it's the same as drinking coffee. Coffee's a drug. But I want you to know it's not on the level where the Bible calls it that that part of you that can bring a level of activation of that place inside of you that opens you up to the spiritual world. I remember when I used to smoke weed that I, I wanted to go to the moon. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That you wanted to open yourself up and go to that another place. Why? Because that's what it does. It, it opens you up. I want you to know if you are going to be somebody who's going to go somewhere great in God, the only place you open yourself up is to the truth of God and the spirit of the living God living inside of you. Amen. And I want you to know many people are living in bondage because they've chosen to get something else in their life to make them be okay. Amen. The Bible says, he who puts his trust in the Lord is kept safe. Hallelujah. Amen. So you got to believe God more than the circumstances. 1 Samuel verse 16, uh, 14, verse 6, Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, he said, come, let us go to the outpost of these uncircumcised Philistines. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Nothing can hinder God. Nothing can hinder God. Listen, if you'll just believe him. Don't believe the other circumstances. Believe him. Amen. Because it's easy to look at your circumstances and go, you know what? This is such a bad deal. Can I tell you something? What the devil meant for evil, God can turn it around into good. Uh, uh, Joseph's brothers wanted to kill him. They ended up selling him as a slave. And 13 years later, he was the most powerful man on the planet. The Pharaoh wouldn't even lift a hand unless, unless Joseph was saying, yeah, it's a good thing to do. He was the brain that kept the Israelites and the generations of, their, of, the, of them alive. He was the one that made it come to pass. But, and what the devil and his brothers had meant for evil, God had a plan. And I don't care if you know God told you to go north, but it sure looks like you're going south. Can I tell you something? God has a plan in the middle of for you. And he's looking for somebody to believe him. He's looking some, for somebody who wants more than a Sunday morning service. But you want to seek God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. You're willing to do whatever it takes to have the peace and the presence of God living in your life. That you surrender that he's in love with you. Deuteronomy 31 verses 7 and 8 says, Then Moses called Joshua, and all Israel watched. He said, to, as all Israel watched, he said to him, Be strong and courageous, for you will lead these people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors he would give them. You are the one who will divide it among them as their grants of land. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Listen, that is a promise for somebody in here who will receive it. He will neither fail you and he's going to go before you. He won't leave you. He's not going to fail you. He's not going to abandon you. He will be with you and he will personally go before you. Yeah, you know that 98% of the stuff you fear never comes to pass. Living in this place of I'm so down and 
I like what in, uh, in one of the uh, 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 veggie tale movies, it's, it's about Jonah, you know, and they're, 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 you remember seeing that story, veggie tales, Jonah's down there sleeping and, and somebody comes up to me and said, what are you so down about, Mr. Grumpy Pants? You know, what are you so down? You know, I think sometimes God needs to say, what are you so down about, Mr. Grumpy Pants? God's got a plan for you. God has a plan for you. Come on, wake up to the things of the Spirit. Put your hope in God. Why be downcast, oh my soul, King David said. He said, put your hope in God. Because if God is for us, then nobody can stand against us. He can save whether by many or by few. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 39 says, We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. The devil wants you to just to shrink back in fear and say, You know what? I ain't going to make it. You know, and this is going to be really bad in my life. Listen, ain't nothing going to be bad. What seems like a big stumbling stone will just be a stepping stone. Amen. It's a setup, so don't let up. Amen. God wants you to have a comeback in your life. Amen. Number two. Number two, be willing to step out in faith. Be willing to step out in faith. A courageous person is willing to step out in faith. They believe God more than the circumstances and they're willing to just step out even when it doesn't make sense. If God has given you a word, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Abraham, he just said, you know, get up, leave your family and your household and your, you know, and go to the land I'll show you. And I'll make of you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to make your name great. Through you, all nations of the earth will be blessed. You know what? All he did, he says, God, okay, I believe you. How did we know we believe him? He got up and left. And when he got up and left, God says, you're righteous. And it doesn't matter what it, is, what it is in your life that God's telling you to do. Just get up and go do it. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Don't wait around. Don't wait around for the money to show up to, so that you can do what you're going to do. Just, just take a step. Get out and just take a step in the direction he told you to go. Amen. When the children of Israel were coming up to the, to the Jordan, when they were going to cross over into the promised land, Joshua told him, he said, you guys with the, with the Ark of the Covenant, the priest, he says, says go out and, and step into the water with the Ark on your shoulder. It was flood stage. It was dangerous. But the second they stepped their foot in the water, the waters parted. And the whole bunch of them walked across on dry land. I want you to know God is going to ask you to step out. He said, draw near to me and then I'll draw near to you. Take a step in the right direction. Move out in what God's calling you to do. And don't be afraid. Go all out. Amen? That's what we see in 1 Samuel chapter 13 about Jonathan's life. You know, he, as soon as Saul became king and he was somebody, he had a thousand guys with him. He just went up to the, the Philistine army post. I mean, this is soon after Saul was, uh, was king. He was already a man of faith. He already had the Spirit of God in him. And, he, and he, he thought then, like he thought, you know, at, at that actual uh, 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 major battle, he went up there and just destroyed them. <laughs> him and his sword and a bunch of guys with uh, clubs and whatever else they happened to have. I don't know. 
But they went up there and they whooped on him. Because that's who he was. He knew who he was in God. And he was going to take a step in the right direction. Do you know who you are in God? Are you willing to take a step in the right direction? Woo! Preach myself happy. Jesus. Verse four, uh, chapter 14, verses 1 and 6, we see the same thing happening. Where Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come on, let's go over there to the Philistines. Where the Phil- come on, let's go over there. And in verse 6, he said, you know what? Let's go over there and, 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 and show themselves. Because God is able to save whether my, by many or by few. Can I tell you, if God has spoken something to you, listen and obey. Listen and obey. Listen and obey. You'll save yourself. You'll save yourself from a lot of heartache. Listen and obey. Whenever you do it your own way, you're going to have difficult things come your way. God's going to let you get a spanking. God's going to allow you to get a spanking. Read your Bible. God knows how to allow you to get a spanking. When you choose to do things your own way, go, I know God says this, but I have my own reasonings. (laughs) Can I tell you the wisdom of man is foolishness. God calls those things that be not as though they were. Amen. He uses the things that are not to nullify the things that are. You best believe him. Number three, almost done. Never quit. Never quit. You're going to believe God more than the circumstances. You're going to be willing to step out in faith and then you're just going to never quit. Never quit. You know what? When, 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 when uh, uh, Jonathan was up there, you know, it wasn't like he just got up there and God started fighting and beating everybody and they started running away from him. It wasn't like that. I mean, you just think about it. I don't care how tough you are. If you have, if you have 100 men coming at you, I don't care who you are. When they're determined to get you, all they need to do is get a leg and somebody get an arm. You know what I mean? That's all. That's all that it takes. It takes one wrong move. One move or one right move to get you from behind or whatever. You can be a really tough guy, but just get a couple guys. Huh? They'll tie you up. Amen. He went up into that field and he's got hundreds of guys coming at him and he's fighting in the name of God Almighty. Which name are you fighting in? Are you doing it and you're trusting in yourself and you're all afraid? Or are you one who says, no, if God be for me, no one will successfully stand against me. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. A lot of times we give up because we didn't see. We're not getting any harvest from what we've been sowing. But I want you to know there's a gestation period. You don't plant a tomato seed and tomorrow you reap tomatoes. Got to give it time. Amen. Don't be weary because you're going to reap a harvest if you don't give up. 2 Thessalonians 3.13 says, As for you, brothers, never tire in doing what is right. Never tire of doing what is right. Don't give up on doing what God has put in front of you. Amen. Don't give up on what God has for you. Hallelujah. 
1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. It says, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. And do everything in love. Amen. God wants you to trust him. Amen. God wants you to believe him. <clears throat> you know what? If you're going to be a person of courage, you're going to believe God more than the circumstances. You're going to be willing to step out in faith. It may not make sense, but you know God is saying it. That's all you need to know. You, all you have to have is a word from God. When you know it's the will of God, step out and do what God says because he'll meet you at that point. He'll meet you at the point of your faith. God doesn't meet us at the point of our need. He meets us at the point of our faith. Come on. If he met us at the point of our need, there would be no hungry people in the world. He meets you at the point of your faith. He's looking for a people who believe him. He's looking for somebody. The Bible says that the eyes of God search to and fro throughout the earth, looking for those whose hearts are fully yielded to him. God is looking for somebody who will yield himself and say, God, I believe you love me and that you are for me and I am in covenant with you. And it's not based upon my righteousness. It's based upon the blood of Jesus that I believe in. Hallelujah. Never quit. Amen. God's looking for some people today. He's looking for somebody. God's looking for somebody. I remember years ago, I uh, was reading in, in, I think it was Jeremiah, and God was saying that he was, he was, he had found a man who he was going to use, a man after his own heart. And he's talking about replacing Saul and, and with David. And he said, for who is he who will devote himself to draw near to me, says the Lord. Who is he that will seek my face? And I remember reading that, and I wrote a song that day called Who Is He? But I just began to cry, and I was sitting at the piano, and I said, God, I will. I will. I will seek your face. Amen. The rest of my life has been one that just seeking God, just seeking God. You know, and it hasn't been easy. I don't know of anybody who has been easy. But the more I pursue the love of God and the grace of God, His undeserved kindness, just laying back in His arms and saying yes, resting in Him, the more I see victory in my life. Amen. If you look at the circumstances, you'll quit. Yeah, if you look at the circumstances, you'll shrink back. But if you look at God and just step out in what he told you to do, you're going to see victory coming your way. This podcast has been brought to you by New Creations Life Center in Redmond, Oregon. Look us up on the web at newclc.com. That's N-E-W-C-L-C.com.